0: we doing this morning? It's like they shorten shortened the field on us a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That means when we lift our voices, you'll hear better. That's all. Um, you can find your place in 1 Peter 5. Uh, we're going to read 8 and 9 when we get there father we thank you for your word this morning we glorify you and magnify you and lift you up in this place we worship you because you are worthy father there's none like you oh we love you we love you we love you and we thank you for your word this morning and your holy spirit in this place to teach to lead to guide into all things father that you left him here to be our teacher to take your place so that we can receive light and revelation and knowledge and wisdom from you, Father, through your word that he is our guide. We thank you for it and we look for look to him this morning to receive what you have to give, Father, that your anointing is rich in this place, that it's here to break the yoke and provide whatever it is that we need. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, last week, Pastor Bob talked about... Um, you know, lack, having, a, having, being attacked by lack instead of living a lifestyle of lack uh, or having a lifestyle of lack. And I wanted to kind of expound on that a little bit for this morning for the purposes of what I've been looking at for quite some time now, which is, you know, the, the will of God in your life and following the plan of God for yourself and, and, and specifically in your own life, um, in that there are, there are different things that come at us in life. There are times when we get attacked. Something happens to us. You know, we get attacked by something. Um, in Pastor Bob's example was lack, but it can be anything. Um, you can get attacked in your relationships. You can get attacked by fear or despair or, or sorrow or a bunch of different things. We've all been there. We've all had things come on us, and you recognize almost immediately, hey, this is, this is something I need to push back against because I'm being attacked. Um, but then there are other things where it's, it's, it comes up out of choices that we have made. It comes up out of directions we've taken against, against the instruction and will of God. We've gone our own way, and these things are coming up as a result of those decisions. And it's important for us as the believers to understand which one is happening right now because the response is different. Because when you're getting attacked by something, the response is to resist and push back in faith against those things according to the word of God. But if your own choices have brought about something that's going on in your life, that's an internal issue. Yes, you can have faith to deal with the symptoms of the problem, but the problem persists. It's like when you have an infection in your body and you're just trying to deal with the fever. Well, the fever is not the problem. The infection is the problem. The fever is just a symptom of the problem. And when we deal with things like that in our own life, it's just a symptom of a deeper problem. And while faith is used in that process, it's different because it's not the enemy attacking you. It's your own choices, our own choices that have brought us to where we are. So that has to be approached differently because we can't go, oh, devil, you bad guy. Well, the devil didn't do it. You did it. I did it. We did it with our choices. We went there. He may have been involved somewhere along the way, but now we're on autopilot and we're going wherever, you know. We've all been there. I don't need to take testimonies, I'm sure. But the enemy will try to get us to treat them both the same. Because the best thing he can do to anybody, and specifically believers, is to make them think that problems that they have created are someone else's fault. Well, it's not my fault. I'm being attacked. Well, no, you're not being attacked. You've made bad choices. You've made bad choices, and this is you reaping the results of your bad choices. And this is not an unfixable problem, but the first step is realizing what is the problem. Because if, if that is the source, if my own decisions are the, tr- are the source, but I'm looking out here somewhere saying, well, that's the problem, I'm not going to be able to fix it. I can't fix a problem when I'm misdiagnosing it. You ever been misdiagnosed by a doctor? They can't fix you when they misdiagnose you because they're trying to fix something that's not broken. You're not being attacked. It's something that's come up in your own life. And I I titled my message, Roadblocks and Minefields, because that's what we're really dealing with. The devil's going to throw a roadblock in front of you. That's when he attacks you. You're on the path. You're doing what is best you know. You're doing what God wants you to do. And here comes an attack. It's a roadblock. It's meant to slow you, stop you or move you off the path that God has you on. It's a roadblock. And our job as believers is to go through that roadblock. Just bust it right out of the way because we're we're where we're supposed to be, so that roadblock needs to move. That's what happens when we get attacked. Doesn't matter what kind of attack it is, that's the response. We just need to go to the word of God and and converse with the Holy Spirit and find out how do I address this problem exactly? But that's it. The devil is attacking you to try and get you off where God has put you but a minefield a minefield is somewhere you shouldn't be and you got there on your own you have managed to find yourself in a place you should not be it's not minefields don't magically appear and you go oh I'm in a minefield no you wandered there on your own and somehow found yourself there (laughs) so they're two different things but the first the very first thing we have to recognize and this is important in every area of life, is to recognize that the enemy has no more power and authority than we give him or let him steal, one or the other. He doesn't have any. So we either have to give it to him or we have to let him steal it. Those are the only two ways he gets it in our life. You know, you don't always have power in other people's lives. You only have so much authority, depending on who they are. You have a little bit more over your kids and family and stuff that, they'll, that you have relationships with than you would a random person off the street. But at the end of the day, we have to recognize that the devil doesn't have power over us, over me. I am, and this includes God. A lot of people don't like that because their, their religion kicks in. But God doesn't have any power in your life unless you let him. Because at the end of the day, he can, he can lead you and guide you and, and give you direction and wisdom, and you can say, no. So that's it. That's the end of the discussion. Well, the same thing goes with the devil. just so happens that a lot of believers say no to him a lot less than say no to God, <laughs> which is sad, but true. Uh, but it's the, same, it's the same sort of thing. But first, we have to recognize, because a lot of people think the devil is some big bad monster that just goes around gobbling people up. Well, that's not true. It's only true if you let him do that. And that's where we're going to start in 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. It says, be sober. Be of sober spirit. Uh, switch to the New King James if you could, please. No offense to the New American Standard. It's fine, but I like New King James. Be sober and be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in faith, knowing that the same sufferings are, be, are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. That he may devour. Devour. I like this translation because of that word, that he may. Not he's seeking people he's just gonna devour. No, he may devour them. What does that mean? Well that means I have some say in whether I get devoured or not. But I have to act I have to exercise that say. It's not just, you know, well it's it's fifty-fifty, it's a coin flip. No. You have some control and we need to exercise that control. But people people don't believe that. Believers don't think that. You hear it in, in what they say. Oh, well, this, this thing just happened. Well, why did you just let it happen? I, you understand that you can be attacked and resist the attack at the same time. You know, I might, I might not be feeling well. I might have symptoms on my body, that, that, but that doesn't mean I need to lay down under it and say, well, I've got the flu and I'm just going to have to wait it out. Well, no. Why? Because what is that? That's, that's handing your authority over to the devil and saying, go ahead, go ahead. I'll, I'll deal, quote-unquote, air quotes, deal with this. No, you're not. You're just laying down under it. And you can if you want. It's your choice. We, that's that's the big the big theme here. It's your choice. But at some point, something's going to come along where you can lay down under it, but you're not going to get it back up again. Yeah. Whatever that thing may be, it's that's going to be it. That'll be your last choice. Right? And I don't want to be, you know dark about anything or but that's how it happens with a lot of believers. They just lay down under stuff. Be, why? Because that's they've been their habit for so long that they something resistance comes, the roadblock comes to push against them and they just fold like a cheap deck of cards. That shouldn't be the way that we live our lives. We're supposed to resist. Resist him steadfast in faith. Don't give up. Push. I, I want to, even if I fail in that push, I'd want to I'd see Jesus in heaven going, I did everything I knew how to do. I did everything I knew how to do. I did everything you taught me, and I did everything. I know I did something wrong because I'm here, I'm here seeing you and talking to you, but I did everything I knew how to do. I just, I just didn't know enough. I, just, I, mean, I got something wrong. But I'd rather say that than say, I didn't even try. I just I just gave up. Well, I, no, I don't want to. I don't want <laughs> That's not the kind of thing I want to have a conversation with him about when I get to heaven. I gave up. No. <laughs> just, see, just imagine seeing Jesus. I just gave up, Jesus. I, was, I gave up. <laughs> not a good first impression. Go to James 4, verse 7. It's always our choice. That's what we have to remember. He doesn't have absolute power over us. There is is no absolute power over us. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Why, Why doesn't the devil just subjugate anybody he chooses at any time he chooses? Because he can't. He can't. That's what we have to remember. Anytime a roadblock comes up, anytime an attack comes against us, this is only the end if I let it be the end. This is only over if I quit fighting, because I can keep fighting until I win, if I will to do that. My choice, and a lot of people just don't will to. They don't want to do that. Why? It's hard. It's not easy to do that, to fight. We've all been through attacks of different kinds, health and finances and relationship. We've been through all of those things, and it's not fun. It's hard work, but at the end of the day, do you want to be a conqueror or not? Do you want to go through the roadblock or not? Your choice. God's there to help you. He's He's the coach in the corner of the ring. He's cheering you on. He's trying to give you keep your keep your left arm up. You know, keep your guard up. You know, duck. He's got a He's got a week left. He's He's giving you all the advice and in direction that he can. But at the end of the day, I'm the one in the ring. I've got to make the choice. Am I going to keep fighting this or am I going to give up? Because if I resist, if I continue to push back, I'm going to get through this. We talked about that last time I was up here. You're going to get through this. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. So if you choose to keep fighting, you win. That's, that's, that's That's it. If I will keep fighting, I will win. I will win. That's the promise. But if I give up, that's different. And it's my call. The devil doesn't get to choose. Whether or not I lose, I choose that. Luke 4.13, we see that in Jesus' own life. After This is after he, he went out to the wilderness and, and he was being tempted by the devil. And after the third time, it says, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed for him until a more opportune time. Why doesn't that verse say, and then he killed Jesus? Why doesn't it say that? Because he couldn't. He didn't have the power to do it. Those temptations were his attempt to get Jesus to hand him that authority. To hand him the authority to do whatever the devil wanted to do. But Jesus resisted with the word and said, no, this is, this is not going to happen. This, the, I'm going through this roadblock. And the devil had to do what? He had to leave until he could find another point in time where he could try again. And that's the same thing in our lives. If we resist and we persist in whatever it is we're dealing with, he will leave for a more opportune time. He's not going to go away. He'll be back. There'll be another roadblock. Just prepare yourself for that. But he's going to leave for a more opportune time. And he can't just, oh, he got you. No, not if I don't let him. He didn't get me. Because if he, if he would have done it with anybody, it would have been right here. If he could have done it with anybody, it would have been right here. Why? Because Jesus was the most dangerous person on the face of the earth to him. He would have taken him out at any point he possibly could. Tried a bunch of times. Do you think those people got all riled up and wanted to throw him off a cliff just because? No. There were spirits involved with that, I guarantee you. I guarantee you there were. But what did he do? He just went through their midst and went on his way. What is that? That's Jesus saying, not today. Not today. What are those, All those shirts, not today, Satan. Not today. Why? Because it's my say. It's my choice. This is a roadblock. I get to go through this if I so choose. You don't have the power to do whatever you want to me. That's not how it goes. I have a say in this. But, you notice when, we, when you talk to believers, you talk to people about stuff that's going on in their lives, you can tell their mindset in these things by the words they use to describe them. And we've probably used some of these words too. I know I've used these words because we're taught to do this. But they use phrases like, they made me lose my temper. They made me angry. No, they didn't make you angry. You chose to get angry. They didn't make you do anything. I'm trying to teach my kids that. He made me mad. No, you chose to got mad. They're annoying me. No, you're choosing to get annoyed. You have control over yourself. But we're trained from the youngest of ages that it's not my fault. This is not my fault. This is that, per- that them, the, the, the royal them. It's their fault. No, never me, never, never my fault, never my choice, never, never, not ever. Yep. But they, there's a bunch of them. We just fell in love. No, you didn't just fall in love. Well, we were, we were just going along, and before you knew it, it just happened. No, it didn't just happen. But people say this kind of stuff all the time. Oh, it just happened. No, it didn't just happen. There were choices involved, <laughs> nothing Just happens. That's not how things work. (laughs) It's not how it goes. I was powerless to resist. No, you weren't. You may want to use that excuse, but you're not powerless to resist. And like I said, all of these things, and there are plenty more where those came from, they all vary on a theme. It's not my fault. It was beyond my control. No, no. When it comes to things that involve your life, you are in complete control. Complete control. Now, you may not be able to reach out and touch the things that are coming at you as far as, like, roadblocks. You, you may not be able to stop that attack before it hits you. But you can certainly choose how you're going to deal with it when it gets there. In certain situations, you can, because the Holy Spirit will tell you, hey, do this. Well, why is he telling you that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Be obedient and recognize that one of his jobs is to tell you things to come. It doesn't say that he's got to explain it in a five points and subpoints so that you get it. No, he's going to get you ready for something that's coming down the road. So be obedient. Understanding is not a prerequisite of faith. Of believing of following being obedient you don't need to understand to obey it's one of the hardest lessons to teach kids you don't have to why why is their favorite question no you can't do that why it doesn't matter why I said you can't do it discussion over and they and they all oh, the professionals do not like that don't ever ki- tell your kids because I said so it's like the worst thing in the world no It's the best thing in the world if you're trying to raise your kids how to obey God because a lot of times he's not going to tell you why. He's just going to tell you. And at the end of that implied with the ellipsis is because I said so. Almost every command of God that's implied. Do this. It could have started at the very beginning. Abram, leave your family and go to this land you do not know what is the immediate question that pops in your head why why would I do that I have all this I have a I have my family here I have all of the supply that I have with my I have every everything's here why would I leave all that and go somewhere where I don't know why notice God didn't tell him why he doesn't say and this is why no it says go and that's the end of the discussion and it happens all the time in the Bible. You'll see that time and time and time and time and time again. Do this. And our mind goes, why? Why?" But God never answers the question why. Because he doesn't have to. He's God. And we're called to obey and have faith. That's part of making it through roadblocks. You don't need to, do, you don't need to do, know why you're doing this. You just need to know that God is good and that he's trustworthy and faithful so that when he tells you to do something just do it just do it you may or may not find out later later as in later in heaven you'll find out why because then you can ask him and he'll tell you but as of right now you may not find out why just just know that your life continues to be good (laughs) that's all the reason you need to follow the direction of God because he's got your best interest in mind and he's trying to get you through that roadway as unscathed as possible, and sometimes we make it difficult because <laughs> it's our choice. He says, "Do this," and we go, "No." <laughs> he goes, "Fine then, deal with what's coming." You know what else do you want him to say? It's not like he's going to pick you up by the scruff of your neck like you're a puppy dog or a kitten and go, "Here, I'll just, I'll just carry you and put you up." No, that would be nice. I wouldn't mind that sometimes, but he doesn't do that. Sometimes he will explain a little better because if you're young, when you, if you get old, you're on your own. I mean maturity level in spiritually. Like when you're a baby in Christ, he'll explain some stuff. If you, like when I was young in Christ, I got some explanations when I was being particularly hard-headed and stupid. He'd say, look, this is why I'm telling you to do this because this thing is coming and you need to be ready. Well, as you mature and mature and mature, that slowly starts to go away because you should know better. Right. It's kind of like you should, you, you know, I'll, I'll use a different example. I was going to use a gross example. But with your kids, with certain instruction, you start to not do that. Because why? You should know better. I shouldn't have to tell you to, you know, clean up after yourself to not throw food on the carpet. I should at some point I should be able to stop telling you to do these things because you should know better. Well, that goes for us spiritually as well. God expects us to know better when we grow up some. And it's a good thing. That means we're growing up. (laughs) At least I think it's a good thing. I don't know if everybody thinks it's a good thing. but So, the people on the path, people have chosen the path that they're on, chosen when the roadblocks come. It's the people's choice whether they let that roadblock derail them or not by very definition a roadblock is there to remove you from the path that you're on it's to detour you off where you are to somewhere else well it's our choice am i going to let this thing detour me off of where god has put me god where god has told me or am i going to go through this and deal with it and keep going the way god wants me to go our choice And Peter was clear that we have to be sober and vigilant because the enemy is searching nonstop for people who are open and susceptible to being detoured. He's looking for those people. Why? Because he doesn't want you on God's path. He knows where that goes. And it's always bad news for him. Always. People that stay on God's path and do God's will are bad news for the devil. So he wants you off that path any way that he can get you off. He doesn't care. He doesn't care what works. That's why it's like scattershot. Sometimes you think he has ADHD, but he doesn't. He's just trying to find whatever works. He doesn't care what he has to try because you notice, at least I've noticed. I'll use myself as an example. Sometimes you get tempted by things and you're just like, no. Well, he's not going to try that one again because when that's your response, he knows that's not going to work because what is he looking for an opportune time what does that mean he's looking for when he can sneak in there and poke you and it'll do the most damage most maximum damage that's what he's looking for that's why the 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 statements it rains it pours exists stuff rolls downhill (laughs) all of those sayings are the same thing what does it mean when bad things happen bad things keep happening and they tend to get worse why because the enemy is involved with roadblocks like that. Hmm. And we have to see that for what it is because it changes how we deal with it. Because when it's a roadblock, we're resisting the enemy. We're resisting this attack, whatever, whatever it is. And that's completely different than, than the other thing we're gonna get into. Romans 8.37, which we got into the last time I was up here. That nothing separates us from the love of Christ. That in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Christ who loves us. That we are going to conquer. And conquering is not a passive thing. Conquer is not a passive word. It requires activity. You don't conquer something by sitting there and doing nothing. That's not how conquering works. If you've ever studied history, nobody conquered anybody else by sitting there and doing nothing. Because that and we have to realize that that when things, when these roadblocks come, these attacks come, I can't just sit here and do nothing. Because it will overcome me. It will in order to conquer this thing it requires action on my part it requires something i've got to do something not like never mind i won't go there we won't be we won't be political today but we've got to conquer and you cannot conquer without action we have to be ready to act overcomers are never those who wait around and just sit What did Caleb say when he went into the the promised land after a long time wandering, 40-plus years wandering around out of the wilderness? He's 80 years old, and he comes up to the mountain. And what is he doesn't say, okay, we're here. Go get it, boys. I'll be waiting down here for when you get finished. No. He said, give me that mountain. Well, what does that mean? He's going. He's going. He's 80 years old. I don't think we have any 80-year-olds in here. But even at the age you're at, would you want to go conquer a mountain? And by conquer a mountain, I don't just mean climb it. I mean kill all the people on the mountain and take it. That's, that's a lot more work than just climbing a mountain. And he said, give me that mountain. Why? Because he's an overcomer. He's a conqueror. That's what he's there to do. Well, that's the kind of attitude that we have to have. When things come up against us, we have to have the attitude that, oh, no, I'm going through you. You're not even going to slow me down. You're going to be like a small speed bump. And we're going to keep right on rolling. And that's the choice we have to make. I have to make that choice. And he's, the devil is always going to try. He's always going to try. We, always, we have to have that, that attitude, though. And it's our choice. We've got to have the attitude with the devil. You have, you have picked the wrong person on the wrong day, devil. You have made a critical error in judgment today. And that's the kind of attitude we have to continue to have. But the problem comes not when, well, roadblocks are a problem, but it's over—it's a, a problem we can overcome with our faith in resisting whatever's with us, whatever's coming at us, resisting the enemy, still following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Because one of the biggest problems people have with roadblocks is they try to deal with this one like they dealt with the last one. You can't always do that. In fact, rarely can you do that. You've got to go to the Holy Spirit. Holy, and even if it's the same thing, it could be a health problem, again, just like the health problem you just had. Well, it's not always the same way that you deal with the roadblock. That's why we have to stay hooked up with the Holy Spirit. Stay humble, oh. I'm, you know, people get too big for their britches and they think, oh, I'll take this one out just like I took the last one out. First off, you didn't do anything. You relied on the power of God and the power of God stepped in and wiped that thing out. Now, pop pop that big old head and try to fit through the doorway and realize that you still got to go to the Holy Spirit and say, hey, what do I do here? What do I do here? That's the one thing you can always find about David when you read through his life. He continually went and asked and inquired. I mean, later on in his life, the guy has a few military victories. He's had some some pro, some success in in tactics in in all that. But what does he do? Time and time and time again, something comes up and he goes and says, "What do we do? What do we do? Do I do I do I go after? Do I not? Do I do this? Do I do that? What is?" What is he recognizing? That God is the one that's doing this. He's the one bringing the victories. I am not doing anything in my own strength. <clears throat> but he had to make the choice to do it. He had to make the choice to go and inquire, just like we do. Do you think after they came and took Ziklag and all his guys wanted to string him up at the nearest tree? Do you think that he really wanted to go and get the robe and go inquire of God? No. He probably wanted to go hide in a hole and cry, just like all the rest of the guys, especially since his guys were trying to hunt him down and kill him. It's a little disheartening. But he did what he needed to do. He chose, no, I'm going to go inquire of the Lord and see what we need to do. Turned out all right, didn't it? it Turned out about about as good as you could hope for in a problem like that, and they recovered all. And more because they took all those guys' stuff too. But it's our choice. We have to do that. We have to choose to go <clears throat> to the Lord and find out what we need to do. But the the problem that believers run into is that the second type of problem, the minefield, is one of our own creating. I, I'm, I'm going to use myself as an example, but I'm sure this is a common thing. You ever been driving around in your car or walking somewhere, and you just start thinking about something. Your mind goes off on a tangent, and you just start thinking about something. And suddenly you snap to and you go, I don't remember how I got here. And you're like, I clearly about, because you know where you are versus where you were, you go, like, ten minutes has passed and I'm here and I'm not dead so what happened well what is that that's we're zoned out well that that can happen spiritually too where people zone out and they just stick it on autopilot and they're thinking oh we're just gonna do this and and kinda go with the flow and go with the flow is the worst possible thing you could ever do spiritually cuz the flow is never in the direction you wanna go But people do that. And then they snap too and they look around and they go, how did I get here? Well, that's not a good situation to be in. Because then you got to get yourself out of there. And that's how people end up in minefields. Because they've gone on autopilot for so long spiritually that they're not keeping track of what they're doing. They're not applying their will into situations. They're just sitting. They're just sitting on a stump, sitting on a log, just waiting. Oh, I'm waiting for God. No, you're waiting to get steamrolled is what you're waiting for. Because inaction is still a choice. It's a wrong choice. Almost always inaction is a wrong choice. There are times where the Lord can tell you to wait, probably because he's getting other stuff lined up, because people are people, and he's got to get other stuff lined up for you sometimes. he just say, hold tight. Wait here. Keep doing what you're doing. But oftentimes, it's action. We're, doing, we're <laughs> moving forward. We're doing something. But it's those times when we, we let go of the wheel, like we talked about before, on your ship, and that wheel just starts a spinning because the, f- the flow of the river is going to take you wherever. And if you let go of that wheel, you're going to end up somewhere where you don't want to be. And the problem is, is people like that, oh, I'm getting attacked. No, you're not getting attacked. You are there because of choices you have made or neglected to make. And that's a totally different situation. The solution to that problem is completely different than resisting the enemy because most of the time the enemy's not really involved in this problem. A lot of times you're reaping what you're sowing, which is a whole different ballgame. Faith is still involved, always going to need faith. But now, now it's reliance on the Holy Spirit going, oh, throw yourself on the mercy <laughs> of God and Jesus and say, please help me get out of this. Why? Because you're there because of the choices that you've made. This is 100% your fault. My fault. And that's the first thing we got to do. Look. Shoulder it. I did this. Whatever, whatever I did to get here, my fault. Because if you, if you go to, well, well, it's the no. No. Because then you're not looking for a solution. You're looking to place blame. But when you shoulder it and say, look, Sometimes you may not even know how you got where you got because some people don't have understanding, full understanding of what they're sowing and what they're reaping and you're going to run into people like that. You're going to know how they got there but they're not going to have a clue how they got there. How did I get here? Well, you know, you could start counting them off on your fingers, this, 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 but that's not going to help them. Let me tell you all the reasons why you're wrong. No, that doesn't help anybody. (laughs) But We have to shoulder that responsibility because when you say my fault, then you can also say I can fix it with, with Holy Spirit and the word of God and faith, we can, this can be fixed. I can get back to where I need to be. That's the glorious good news of God in the word is that he's a restorer. No matter how bad you've messed up, he can get you back to where you need to be, but We've got to shoulder it and say, my fault. Because if I don't do that, I can't, I can't grip the control to do something about it. Because if I'm constantly looking over here and saying, but this thing, then I don't have control over that thing. That's, that's what we're giving up every time we say something like that. When you say it's not my fault, well, then you can't solve it. If that thing is causing the problem, that thing has to fix the problem right? If I'm being oppressed by some outside force, I can't do anything about that because that outside force is pushing down on me. That's what people are giving up when they say stuff like that. But when you shoulder it and say it's my responsibility for whatever mess I'm in, you can also take the responsibility to fix the mess you're in. And that's a big deal because a lot of people, a lot of believers don't want to do that. I totally understand why they don't want to do that, because it's not fun to look at yourself and go, I blew it. Those are the the worst conversations to have is, I have royally messed up. Anybody ever had good conversations that started like that with other people? No, I never have. Never had a good one. Man, you want to hear how bad I messed up today? No, those aren't fun conversations. But it's required in order to get out from where you're at. If you want to get out of that minefield, you've got to recognize that you got yourself there in the first place. Because then you're taking, when you do that, what you're doing is you're putting your hand back on the wheel. You're grabbing that wheel and saying, okay, I I did this because I let go. But now I'm going to take control again. And it's at that point that the Holy Spirit goes... Yes. All right. Here we go. And he can start telling you what you need to do, because until you put your hands on the wheel, he can yell at you through a bullhorn. And it's not going to matter because you're not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. We're just just kind of kicking the can and the Holy Spirit's going, hey, we need to do this. We need to do that. But we don't have our hand on the wheel. We're not doing anything. So we've got to make the choice. We've got to see it. But this is this is the game the devil plays, is because he tries to switch it. Oh no, this is this isn't your fault. You're being attacked. No, no. It is your fault. You've made bad choices. Because they look, the things can look similar. It can look similar. But you've got to recognize, because he always goes for the ego. He goes, No, this couldn't be your fault. You're too good. Right? You've heard that before. This couldn't possibly be my fault. I don't do anything wrong. You talk to people like that all the time. That's the attitude that they have. That's the attitude Job had, right? You read through the book of Job. what What did he tell God through that whole book? You screwed up, God. You messed up. Not my fault. I am a righteous man. I didn't do anything wrong is what he was telling God through the whole book of Job. That's a real dangerous conversation to have with God. You point your finger at God and go, you messed up, whole buddy." You ever read through to the end of the book? Remember what he said? I have made a mistake. I I feel like that's the worst understatement of the year. Like the translation on that in the Bible must, oh man. Yeah, you have messed up is right. But the other side also wasn't true. Notice, his friends who were blaming him the whole time and saying, it is your fault, Job. You're a wretched human being. That's why this happened to you, because that's what his three, the three friends were saying. It's God's, God's righteous, which is right. That's true. But then they were pointing the finger at him and saying, "Good bad things don't happen to good people. That means you're a bad person, Job. They were wrong, too. In fact, God said, Job's going to have to pray for you because I'm not going to do anything for you until Job does. ho, oh, ho. There's a correction and a half. You're in so much trouble. That guy over there has to ask for forgiveness for you cuz you messed up so bad. Holy smokes. So they were both wrong. Both sides of the ditch. But the devil tries to he tries to he go he like stokes that fire. You couldn't have possibly done anything wrong. What did you do wrong? You didn't do anything wrong. This thing just just came out of nowhere. No. It came as a result of my choices. It came as a result of whatever I chose to do that led me to this point. That's where it came from. But he tries to get us to do that because then you're you're just treating the symptoms. Because yeah. that's what you do when you're in a minefield and you're treating it right a ro- like a roadblock, you're just treating the symptoms. Well, my finances are being, like Pastor Bob taught about last week, my finances are being attacked and they keep uh, dealing with it like it's, they're being attacked with lack, but they're not. It's coming out from inside of them. Well, you can you can uh, you can treat it like an attack all you want. It's never going to go away. Yeah. It'll go away for a little while, then it's going to come back. It's going to go away for a little while, and then it's going go to come back, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Why? Because it's not an attack. You're in a minefield, and you keep hitting mines because you haven't you haven't gotten out of the field yet. You think, oh, I got it. Boom. Here's another problem. I got it this time. Boom. There's another one. It's, oh, oh, I think I got it this time. Boom. It's like, oh. You've you've met people like that. I know you have. I've met people like that. And their life is just a disaster area because they keep trying to treat the symptoms and trying to go inside and go, look, (laughs) clearly there's a problem. Because a lot of times people don't know what the problem is. And they just need to stop and realize, I've messed up. Right. That's the first thing you got to get people to admit is you messed up. And then you turn internal and you go, Holy Spirit, help me. Show me where. Show me. Show me the window, the door, the crack that the enemy is getting through that is creating this huge minefield in my life. And he'll point at it. and He'll go, it's right there. It's unforgiveness. It's ungratefulness. It's this thing. It's that thing. And you go, that's it. That's it. And you solve that problem and the whole minefield goes away. And it wasn't wasn't an attack. It wasn't resisting the, the enemy. It was correcting something on the inside. And you can't do that unless you first sit down and recognize it. That's the difference between the two. The attack is obvious. Something's coming at me. I know I'm where I'm supposed to be and something is coming at me. Let's deal with this versus something has gone wrong on the inside. Something is not where it's supposed to be. There is a character flaw, some kind of flaw on the inside that is creating these issues. And it has to be corrected. James 1.14. I think that's the last verse I had. Yeah. James 1.14. we have to be careful not to be like job and blame god say god this is your fault because that's what a lot of people do god this is your fault you led me wrong excuse me you brought me here excuse me that's like blaming your gps when you're ignoring the directions turn left in 500 feet and you sail right by it dumb gps not the gps's fault you didn't turn do a U-turn in one mile, you fly by, dumb UPS, GPS, you keep leaving me, I'm lost now. It's not the GPS's fault. You're ignoring your directions. It's trying to get you back. That's why every time you blow by, it goes, redirecting, it should, it should include in there, dummy. Redirecting, dummy, you missed your turn. I'm sure they do. They probably have a voice. You know that they have those voice sets for GPS that make them sound like different people and have different phrases? They probably have one like that. Hey, idiot, you missed your turn. Redirecting. Retry that one. Yeah, I would. That'd be hilarious. Let somebody use your car. Make sure you use the GPS. But James 1.14 says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. This is why we have to be sober and vigilant because this is, this is how it starts. You get into a minefield by being thrown off the road in the first place. So we, that's why we have to be sober and vigilant and pay attention is because we are drawn away by our own things. That's why the, devil, the devil's out there looking for that opportune time, that opportune thing that is going to draw you off that path and get you to relax. And so you drift into the minefield. Because when you drift into a minefield, he can kind of go hands off. Mm-hmm. Because then you're, you're, you're your own problem at that point. He doesn't even have to do anything else. He can just leave it on repeat. And you're just going to go around and around and around and around and around. That's why we have to stay sober and vigilant and realize that it's we have to pay attention. The devil is not going to stop So we have to be aware of what he's trying to do. And we have to choose. We have to make the choices. Whether we succeed or fail, it's our choice. Because the only time we fail is if we quit. You only lose if you quit. I know that's one of those cheesy, cheesy sports things they tell kids all the time. You only lose if you quit. But it's true. You only lose if you quit because you will win if you stay with it. If you resist, you will win. And you just keep you can't do you can't resist of your own will. You understand that, right? When I say resist, I mean with the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit and the anointing by faith. That's how you resist. You don't you don't grit your teeth and go, "I'm going to make it through." That's not going to work. You can grit your teeth. As, you can grit your teeth till your teeth fall out. That's not going to help you. You can't physically resist the enemy. You have to resist him with the Word of God yeah. and faith. And a, and a lot of people find themselves. Lying to themselves, saying, oh, it's not my fault. you know, But God doesn't, God doesn't fall for that stuff. He's not going to have pity on you because you're lying to yourself. He's not going to do it. He's going to wait for you to take responsibility. And then when we do, when we take responsibility and say, okay, God, I'm ready. Immediately, he will come and say, you turn 500 feet, and we've got to make the turn. Because that's the first step. No matter what how silly or small the first step seems, we got to do the first step. It goes back to what we talked about why. Don't ask why. You want to get out of this or not? You want to or not? You don't need to understand. Just put your understanding down. If you know God told you to do something, do it. Worry about the why later. You may find out, you may not. Just be happy to know that God is directing you and you're being obedient. And in obedience, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. Don't worry about the why. Hmm. So we have to pay attention and remember that we didn't get in the minefield by accident, that it's our responsibility to get out, and we have to be sober and vigilant to get around the roadblocks. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your anointing that we'll, on this word that will take it down on the inside of us. Meditate on it, Father God. Come to understand the leadership and guidance role your Holy Spirit serves to us on the earth, that he is here to show us things to come, to give us truth and light so that we can make it through every day, that we can make it through the issues, the roadblocks, to find our way out of the minefields, Father, that we may end up in. And we thank you that you are here and ever faithful to guide us through these things and help us along the way and be closer than a brother, ever present in in times of need, Father God. We thank you for it. And Father, we bring our giving to you this morning because you have told us to, Father. You've asked us to come with a joyful, glad, and generous heart so that we can open the doors to the system you've already put in place so that we can become a bigger blessing to those around us, to, the, to your kingdom, to, to everyone that you deem us to be a blessing to. So we bring it with a joyful, glad heart this morning, Father, and we thank you for all the opportunities you've set before us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen. Welcome back, live streamers. Sorry I didn't say hello earlier. I'm glad you guys are out there. Um, and if you'd like to give, you can go to the website at newlifefamilyworship.net and use the giving link, and they will send you a receipt for that. And uh, always reach out to us on whatever your favorite channel is, whether it's Facebook or messages on the live stream or whatever you like to use. If you have prayer requests or praise reports or any of those things, we'd love to hear from you guys, and we would appreciate you being out there.